We're recording remotely today, so we're not using the cameras, which is a real shame because my hair looks really cute. It does look really cute. Thank you for confirming it. I've discovered the blow dryer, girl. Yeah. It, what does it take you? Two minutes? Easy, yeah, right? 38 seconds. 38 seconds. Worth it. <laughs> you know what else is worth it? What? And Jillian Pensavale. <laughs> Patrick Heinz. Hi, girl. Hey, girl. Oh, my God. This is like the COVID times. It's so weird to see you on my FaceTime and not in the studs. Yeah, or I didn't have a sinus surgery, which is the last time we had to do this. (laughs) But something... I don't know. Forgive me for saying something happened and it was your fault. And that's why we're yeah, remote. I just don't remember oh what my it God. was. It's, and I'm, this is not a joke. It's always my fault. Whenever like the recordings get met, you literally in seven and a half years have asked to move a recording like maybe one time with the caveat that like, but we, I can totally not go to my mom's funeral. Don't worry about it. I can just record through it. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Or I ask eight weeks in advance if you can. Move. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and usually it's me like an hour before. I'm like, I can't do it today. Look, I'm not, I'm not in the business of lying. So I have to agree. Yes, that's. <laughs> Absolutely true. (laughs) Hi, girl. What are we talking about today? Hey, girl. We are talking about... So it's called Faking It. That's like sort of the the precursor thing, but it's called Murder Far From Home. It's about the murder of Grace Mullane. This beautiful girl, big smile on her face, just graduated from university with all of her life and future ahead of her. Grace Mullane. Grace had an adventurous spirit. Just started a gap year, a year-long exploration of the world. A much-loved daughter... Grace has been missing for several days. ...who vanished on the other side of the world. We get them going up into the lift. That is the last time you see Grace alive. The Faking It team analyses the words and actions of the prime suspect. Caught on CCTV, the last hours of a Tinder date the innocent young woman who knew nothing about his violent past. Why is it called faking it? Is it because, like, the killer is, like, lying about doing it? As they are wont to do, these killers. But, yes, I think there's... uh, So this is a series from the UK because this um, takes place overseas. This woman is from the UK. But I think it's, like, faking it. So, like, we're going to meet a bunch of experts. So I think they're the mainstays. And then they do... They cover some stories. that. So it's always faking it. So this story is incredibly tragic. And I want to give Grace her all of her due. But before we do that, we do have to talk about the format of the show, which I'm not sure I'm in love with. No. So we meet, like, the faking it team. And we meet them like they're the Avengers. So it's like the Watcher, the listener. (laughs) The Watcher. I'm a doctor in emotional intelligence. Comparing body language, facial expressions and voice with the messages and words that people use. The listener. My speciality is linguistics. That means I study the words that people use, the messages they intend to give and the hidden meanings they convey. The specialty in in linguistics and words—they yeah, all say right. the same thing. Right. And I will say, like, there—it's mostly a gimmick, which is annoying. But they do some of them do say really smart things at like certain moments, and some of them say really stupid things. So we'll get yeah. to all of it. <laughs> Don't you worry. We're in New Zealand. It's November 2018, and we learn about Grace that during her gap year, she's 21 years old. She's British. She's backpacking around the country. And we get the Grace backstory, like she had just graduated from university. She's traveling around, seeing the sights of New Zealand. New Zealand looks unbelievably beautiful, by the way. Uh, Yeah, it's in my top five. It's like Australia, New Zealand, Japan, 
you know, you know it's a real like, long plane ride. I know. That's why, why do you think I haven't been? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've spoken to people on the Hamilcast who are Australian from Australia and also Americans who went to the Australian cast. And uh-huh. I, we always talk about how like it's a dream. And I'm like, but it's a mountain of a flight, right? They're like, it's real bad. Like it's real yeah. hard. Yeah. It's real yeah. long. There's no tricks to make it seem yeah. shorter. Like it's just a total bear of a flight. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, I like bears. So we'll see. Can you imagine like 200 years ago, the thought of being able to get halfway around the world in like 16 hours? Like that's a trip that would have taken a year. You know what I mean? You know, it is a first world problem now that I'm complaining about that it would only take 16 on this like scientific feat of like flying yeah. a metal can through the air. Like what? Right. <laughs> totally. If I said that to, to someone in the in medieval times, they'd be they'd die. They would spontaneously combust. It wouldn't make they sense. They hadn't even heard of New Zealand. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> what is this magical land you are yeah, you speak of full of hobbits and rainbows? It's like trying to explain like Twitter to Ben Franklin. Like what? Like right. it's just it won't make sense. How? No. Nope. I know. But Grace is having the time of her life. And, you know, we see videos of her and pictures. And she just, like, everyone is saying she's outgoing and friendly and happy. And just, like, she seems like the loveliest girl. Yeah, you know, she's she's taking this time off to explore New Zealand, explore the world. And she's she, like, kind of wants to have her grace time before she starts this next chapter. Like, it's all about her because she's traveling by herself. Yeah, and, like, this is a thing, this gap year thing, we need to implement this in America. Like, the whole, like, you graduate from high school, you go right into college, you graduate from college, you start your job the next day. We need, like, we gotta do better. We gotta, we need more time. Yeah, I I want everyone to really sit for a second and think about the fact that some people put a lot of pressure on a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old declaring a major, which is basically what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Are you yeah. kidding me? That My is major was musical theater. How that is legal in this country, I don't know. It's <laughs> a goddamn shame is what it is. It's, it's, I mean, it's just like, look, I'm, I'm sure there are some of you out there that are like that did this and it worked for you and I'm sure that that's wonderful, but oh my God. nobody. My point is that nobody should have allowed me to get a degree in musical theater. Somebody yeah. should have sat me down and said, sweetheart, you got a face for podcasting. You can't time step to save your life. You're in the wrong field. Yeah, there should have been a meeting, like a board meeting, like a full on, like, how do we handle this? You know what? There probably was. And they, they were left being like, yeah, but which one of us is going to tell him? Like, who's going to look at him? He's so excited. Who's going to tell him? Who's going to break his heart? And then no one wanted to. <laughs> <And then nobody laughs> did. Grace is amazing. Before she left on her trip, she donated a lot of her hair to a, a charity called Little Princess Trust. She wanted her hair turned into a wig for like young kids who were like cancer survivors. Yeah, children going through chemo. She's yeah. amazing. That That is something that like someone would use to describe someone as a joke. Like, oh, oh what, she donate all her hair to kids with chemo? Like, no, no, yeah. no, Grace actually did it. Like, that's, <laughs> right, that's totally. just one of those things that you're like, she's so nice and so thoughtful and just yeah. unbelievable. So here's the itinerary of her trip. Grace had first spent six weeks in South America. Her next stop, New Zealand, the beaches of North Island before arriving in Auckland on Friday, November the 30th, 2018. Hell of a trip, right? Like, my God. That's like a real finding yourself trip because I I don't know who she was with in South America, but we know that she came to New Zealand on her own. Yeah, and so then she leaves the beaches and arrives in Auckland on Friday, November 30th, 2018. And I want to say, we get so much footage in this documentary. I know, We we see her on Friday, November 30th before anything bad happens because the amount of CCTV footage that is in this area, we can actually track her whole movements 
and we do. Well, and that's what's so shocking to me about this is that the killer thinks he can get away with it because there <laughs> are some cities that actually pride themselves on the amount of CCTV. I think London is like that. That like yeah. every inch of the city is covered in CCTV cameras and like at points the killer is looking to, he knows they're there. He's mm-hmm. looking directly into the camera. I'm like, why did you even, how did you think you were going to get away with this? I know, such a fucking creep. So it's Saturday, December 1st. It's 5.45 p.m. And we see Grace walking through like a lobby of some kind. She's taking photos of the Christmas tree and the holiday decorations. And this is where we learn that Grace is in very close contact with her family because she sends the photos that she's taking right to her family. She was in contact with them every single day. And her family is in Sussex, England. Yeah, 11,000 miles away. So then we're told... Her timeline was full of happy birthday wishes from friends and family back home. But Grace wasn't replying. Because it was her birthday, her parents were expecting a phone call or at least a message or something like that. And they never received it. Um, So it was a couple of days after that that they alerted police that their daughter was missing in New Zealand. It takes them a few days, but finally, like, her parents call the New Zealand police. Yeah. I just have this note that, like, I cannot imagine a worse nightmare than my kid going missing in a foreign country. I mean, at least, thank God, they speak the same language. But, like, the Madeline McCann of it all, we're, like, they're in, they're in Portugal and there's a language barrier. And I just, I can't imagine, like, my kid is missing 11,000 miles away. I, like, I have to get there and then I have to learn the laws of this country. Like, I, I just, it, what a nightmare. Yeah, because it's just it magnifies everything that you're feeling if they go missing down the street. It's the helplessness feeling. It's the panic. It's the anxiety. And now, like, you have to go through customs or you have to go through TSA or you have to go through all of this other stuff that is already pretty stressful or sitting on an X amount hour flight. Yeah. As opposed to it's just it's awful. It's really awful. So Grace has been missing for five days and the cops bring Jesse Kempson in for questioning because he was the last person with her on the CCTV footage. Yeah. So we have we see we watch basically his entire conversation with the cops. The profiler. Remember, there's like the profiler, the listener and the, yeah. and the, and the, the watcher, other one, whatever. The, the Avengers. The profiler, I will say, like in the end, she's pretty awesome. She makes some like great points like towards the end of this thing. But the profiler is saying like. The first thing that I notice is that he's really quite smartly dressed. And he tells police that he's come straight from work. He has been very much concerned with portraying himself as the business-like, competent, and self-assured Kempson. He's trying to project, like, a profile of confidence when he's called in for this interview. Meanwhile, like, this is the killer. And, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, he pretty in, he pretty quickly starts to fall apart. But it's amazing. It's kind of wild to, like, have a front row seat to, like, this interrogation. Yeah, and this is also why some of these, you know, the body language experts kind of are just like, yeah. I don't know. Because there are a lot of things here that anyone would do. Like, they, they make a point to say, like, he's very aware of the camera. They tell him he's recorded yeah. and he looks into the camera. And then when the cop leaves, he looks for the camera. And it's like, honestly, I hate this guy, but I think anyone would do that once you're being told that there's a camera on The camera right there, 100%. Right. And then this is where I'm like, oh, I'm fucked because the watcher is here to tell us that Jesse is like, this is how we know that Jesse's so nervous because he's like sipping a lot of water and his lips are dry. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Look at my 44 ounce cup of water. 
and I my know. chapstick next to me. I'm constantly drinking water. I'm constantly putting chapstick on. Like I am a goner. I would be I a goner according to I the know. watcher. Like I'm guilty. Throw me, lock me away and throw away the key according to I this know. guy. But they're also, he's like always squeezing his hands and he's like fidgeting with his feet under the table. I'm like, anybody who's being interviewed by the cops is going to be nervous. Like, how can you differentiate between being nervous because like a cop is talking to you and being nervous because you're the actual killer? <laughs> this is how I act at a routine doctor's appointment. Honestly. <laughs> I'm like knocking things over. Where do I put my jacket? Oh, God. Oh, then they, they leave you in that room for a half an hour just to like yep. build up the anxiety. And then there's like yep. that nice gentle knock at the door. And I'm like, fuck, she's here. Oh. Oh, God, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't, and then you look in your pockets and you realize you've stolen everything out of the drawers. How did those tongue depressors get into my, like, oh, my God, I'm a criminal. Uh, but this is where Jesse tells the cops that, like, how they even came to meet in the first place was they matched on Tinder. And, like, they matched on Tinder on Friday. And then he sees that they matched on Saturday. And they, like, make a date for Saturday night. Yeah. So they ask him how the date went. How did the evening pan out? Um, mm, yeah, pretty good. Yep. Pretty good? Question now, mark? Now, I, like, this is where the watcher jumps in and he's like, that that hesitation is called disfluency. It's when he has to think hard about a question that would be simple for a truth teller to answer. Like, if you went on a date with somebody and the cop was like, how'd it go? You'd be like, it was good. It was bad. It was whatever it was. The fact that he's like, has to think about it and then his answer is not in any way convincing. Mm. I mean, it is a pretty good, but like, to me, I'm like, Mr. Watcher, tell me that you didn't spend $200,000 on a college degree for this. Because I think anybody with eyes can tell that this guy's fucking nervous yes. and that it's weird that he like it took him a, like it took him a couple seconds to answer that question yeah and and again i'm like i don't know if it's the a neurodivergent thing or what but i don't stand a chance because if yeah. i if you ask me something and i look away that's i'm not like i do that too i just did it now like i yeah just like meet me with my 44 ounce cup of water looking away like just they're hauling me away just put the handcuffs on i me. know but like it's just like from the beginning i don't need these experts telling me that like this interrogation is not going well like it's obvious this guy is nervous as shit and also file this under stay stupid dude you didn't come up with a story i know you're just sitting there coming from work being like uh i don't know like what are you what were you doing the entire time on your way down to the knowing you killed grace why didn't you come up with something you idiot i'm glad you didn't we don't really get a ton when we get there at the end we don't get a ton of information about how exactly the murder happened and i don't know i like this guy is so dumb i think he knew from the second it happened he was gonna get caught i don't think he was even trying that hard to not get caught like God. you know what i mean i think he's going through the motions of trying to invent a story here and we learned that like new zealand is a very popular tourist destination and they're saying that like there's always lots of tourists around and it's very odd for a tourist to just vanish like that's not a thing that just happens yeah and we meet so grace's family is eleven thousand miles away in essex england and the cops and the family are working together and we meet scott the cop and yeah. he tells us like she was super, super active online. She was in touch with a lot of people. And then, you know, like that, she just vanished. And he says, We had to believe that the worst had happened. Because if you don't do that, you miss something. Because if you don't, 
you can miss something. And I thought that was a really, it's not just like doom and gloom. And it's like, wow, we don't really hear that a lot in America. No. Like there's usually like, oh, she probably like how, if this was, I don't know, taking place somewhere in the States, maybe the first thing the cops would say would be like, oh, she probably went to her new, her next country early. She probably left early. She probably ran away. I like Officer Scott. He seems to really care. But one of the things they're not being honest about is that New Zealand's economy, I would imagine, is largely based on tourism. And Mm -hmm. that like, it's really, really bad for a tourist to go missing and wind up dead. Like they have to take this really fucking seriously to like really show how safe the country is. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of the reasons why it gets as much attention as it ends up getting. But the dad tells the cops that Grace had been staying at like a hotel or a hostel called the Base Backpackers Hotel. And so because we learned that like New Zealand or at least Auckland is just covered in these CCTV cameras, they start to just go, they go to the hotel, they get the CCTV footage from there and they can see her leaving the hotel on the night of the, like that she vanished. And they basically just follow her around via CCTV cameras for like the rest of what happens that night. Yeah, they follow her. Everyone, everyone and everything has a camera. So yeah. she go, she leaves the, the hostel and she goes to Sky City. And Sky City is like a really popular meeting place. Like there are a lot of bars and restaurants and hotels in one area, right? Yeah. So this is where she takes the photo of the Christmas tree that she sent yep. to her family. And then right after that, we see her meet a man they hug. They look happy to see each other. I gotta tell you that, like, this, like, CCTV footage is clear as day. It's like yeah. Scorsese shot it. It's unbelievable. Because you see, like, you know, whenever this happens in America, it's like a grainy gas station video game. Like, you can't see anything. Auckland, New Zealand, apparently takes their CCTV cameras very, very You can basically see the expressions on their faces. Yeah, and for ours is, like, super grainy, black and white, and right. 10 seconds of it. Yeah. And, and right. we see them with the same 10 <laughs> seconds over and over again, and then they put it in slow-mo, and then yeah. they zoom in on it to make it seem like we're seeing something else. No, it's the same 10 seconds. But so who is this guy? And this is when we learn that this is the last guy to see her alive. And this is that Jesse Kempson guy. Aged 26 and a native New Zealander. His was the last comment on her Facebook page. And he looked like the man seen with Grace on CCTV footage that night. And he looks like the guy on the CCTV footage. So, like, that's how they put it together that this is the guy. Yeah. So, Jesse's backstory is his parents split up when he was young. His brother went to live with his mother, and Jesse stayed with his father and grandfather. And Jesse's father was emotionally and physically abusive, which, like, fucked him up for life because they tell us that, like, he can't really keep a job. Nobody really knows where he works. He's in a lot of debt. And I think that's, like, part of the motivation for what's going on here. So, like, at the time that he meets Grace, he He's like in debt and like not in a very good way. Yeah. And also he's just lying to people because he's telling people he's really successful. So he's right. not successful. He has all this debt. He can't keep a job. He's they describe him as a bit of a drifter, but outwardly he's just letting like he he's kind of dressing the part of the successful guy and when he's like meeting up with women like Grace that's what he's telling them that he's like yeah. totally has it all together and that he has this great job or whatever it is. Travel Girl, DraftKings is back. I don't know what to say about it, except that this is a really fun thing that we actually use. Here we go. Right. Well, tis the season. Yes. So unwrap the first of many presents this season with holidays on the house from DraftKings Casino. They have hundreds of games and prizes and promos. Fam, DraftKings Casino has everything on your list right now. Pull over when Pull I tell over. you this. New players who play $5 get $100 
instantly in casino credits. Fam, what are you waiting for? Cozy up with all the classic like slots, blackjack, which Griffin, our tour manager, <gasps> is like a blackjack kid. He's a math whiz. He's a math whiz. And roulette fam. Yeah, or play exclusive games you'll only find at DraftKings Casino to feel the holiday cheer all season long. So they have like fun holiday Christmas wintery games. I'm so in. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with the promo code TCO and play $5 to get $100 in casino credits. Yeah, that's promo Promo code TCO only at DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help us available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. One per opted-in new customer. $5 wager required. Max $100 in casino credit awarded, which require one-time playthrough within seven days. Terms at casino.draftkings.com slash holidays on the house. Restrictions apply. Do they ever. <laughs> <laughs> So we're back to his interview with the cops and they tell him that like, look, we know that you were the last person to be with her. We are very worried about her safety. We really feel like she could be like have fallen victim to foul play. They kind of zoom out on the video of him. This guy looks like he wants to jump out of his fucking skin. It's what you were saying. He has no plan. Like this whole like the confidence thing that he walked in with five seconds ago is out the window. He is a wreck. This He's me. He's me being questioned. Right. Only he's trying to be as tight-lipped as possible at the same time but everything he says is the wrong answer because yeah. the cops are like it's entirely possible that she's been the victim of foul play okay and the fact that the okay as a falling intonation at this point signals to me that he's not surprised and i don't hear concern He's not surprised and he's not concerned. And like, because you, I think that you would know if you were the last person to be with somebody that the cops are now telling you they think was a victim of foul play. Bitch, you know they're looking at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Act like you know that like you're a fucking suspect. It would make your story more believable. Right. And the cops are almost like trying to get a reaction, any kind of reaction out of them because yeah. they keep going and they're like, okay, do you know what that means? And he's like, yep. And they're like, Wait, oh, yes. Oh, okay. So. All right, so clearly this means we have like other people working on this because we think she was murdered. Like, are you, right. like is this is, is this registering at all? And he's like, uh-huh. Like he has no, he's completely shutting down. It's funny because the more that we describe his demeanor, I, I now I'm torn between thinking he he's not even trying because he never expected to get away with it. And being absolutely shocked that somebody had the audacity of this bitch to drag him, like a white man, down to the station and question him at all. You know what I mean? He's either shocked that to be questioned, he's either shocked that he's not just getting away with it, or he never expected to get away with it. And I can't decide which one it is. Yeah, I wonder what, like, science or a doctor would say if he's sort of been in a detached, disassociative state since he murdered her. It's not an, an excuse or a justification. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying like, I wonder if doing something like that sort of puts you in the state where you're just kind of like floating around yeah. the world and not really like nothing's registering. Like he just did. Uh, I don't know. Here's hoping I'll never find out. I, same. <laughs> so he, here's, here's the rest of the story. Grace and Jesse go to Andy's bar and grill in sky city. They had dinner, they had drinks 
And then they left. And now this is Jesse's side of the story. Remember, yeah. we will eventually confirm and or deny all of this via the CCTV cameras. But here's what Jesse is saying to the cops right now. And before you say it, that like, it's just, it's shocking to me that he's like lying already. Because if you like are in Auckland for five seconds, you know, every inch of the city is covered in CCTV cameras. Right. So like to lie when it's so provable, they're going to know in two hours that this is not what happens. Like, I wonder like if he, if he's getting some kind of sick pleasure out of the fact that like he will be caught like he's just blatantly lying because what he says is so they had dinner and drinks and they left and according to him there was a hug and a kiss on the cheek um, and a thanks nice meeting you Um, and then I said let me know about tomorrow Um, and she said okay and then she kept walking this is a way of if you like distancing himself from doing anything inappropriate Um, it was only one hug it was only one kiss He was the perfect gentleman. They shook hands and said, nice to meet you. And that's it. And Grace left. Like, that's that's it. It was this very sort of robotic goodbye, according to him. And also, the date ended because he was going to meet somebody else, according to him. Right. Which is also like, great. Can you get that other person on the phone to corroborate your fucking alibi? Why are you making up an alibi that you know you can't prove? Right. He's also giving these very weird, detailed, like, it, it's all a lie. But this, these details that don't make any sense. Like, she walked, like, Grace walked down Victoria Street. And then he walked down the other side of the road. And then he also walked down Victoria Street and they were sort of walking parallel and then he never saw her again. And I'm like, what a weird thing to just add for the sake of the lie. I know. That doesn't make any sense. It also isn't true. So the police obviously go in search of the CCTV footage to corroborate the story. And I'm like, good fucking luck, Kempson, you idiot. Like, why make up a lie that they can prove in five seconds is not what happened. And so when they say, he's like, oh, that's the last time I saw Grace. And they're like, okay, we we need some more details. And he's like, oh, that's where we kind of run into some trouble, coppers because yeah. I was hammered. So everything's super fuzzy. Like I had a zillion beers and all this booze. Like I really can't tell you anything else. He says he has 10 handles of beer. I tried to look up what a handle of beer is. And like the only thing you can find is like in America, there's like they make handles of vodka, which is like a f- huge fucking jug of vodka. Yeah. So I couldn't actually get like a number of ounces in a handle of beer, but I'm imagining it's like one of those big yards of beer or something. Oh, Yeah. You know, I was going to say like one of those German steins. Like a stein that are just or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He says he has 10 of them. He is constantly referring to the fact that he was intoxicated. He'd been drinking heavily. And you can't remember anything from that night because you got blackout drunk. Yeah. They were more drunk than me. That's how bad it was. I got so drunk, I just don't remember what happened. But he does remember the street she walked down. Like, though right. that detail is definitely the truth. But and that they definitely didn't walk else. down it together, and it was only one kiss on the cheek and a hug, and that was it. And nothing inappropriate. So here's a quick recap of Jesse's bullshit. He met up yeah. with Grace. They had dinner and drinks. They went their separate ways. He went off and got hammered alone, question mark. He was going to yeah. meet somebody else. But according to him, never mind, that person doesn't exist. It was alone. Then he woke up in bed by himself at either 9 or 10 a.m., But then he's he's insistent that it's 10. He's like, it was either 9 or 10. No, 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 no. Now I'm sure that I woke up alone in my apartment at 10 a.m. Okay. Like, we know you didn't, but that's fine. Like, I just wonder how long he thinks this is going to go. Until the cops are just like, we got you. Like, I don't know. Like, what are they waiting for? I guess to build the case that he's lying. Yeah, because they've got this like, well, we'll get to it in a second. Because like now the TV show is showing us. He's saying his story, 10 a.m. It's when I woke up. I know that because the phone was on the side of my bed. I remember that that's the time that it was. But then we literally see him in the elevator of his building at 8.01 in the morning. And this is when he looks, he like turns around and stares right into the camera. 
camera. Like, he knows he's being recorded. Yeah. Can I just ask you, though, just because it's it's just us here? Yeah, yeah. No one's hearing this. When you're in an elevator, you look at the camera. I'm Every kind of time. like, there's a camera in here, Every- right? Like- there's an el- there's a camera in the elevator in my apartment building, and I look into yeah. it every day. I'm Hi. like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but so they see- we see him at like 8.01 in the morning in the elevator. Then we see him going into a department store and buying a large suitcase. We see it. Clear as day. It's yeah. 8.14 in the morning, and I screamed. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. There's only one reason he would need a fucking huge suitcase like that. At 8.15 in the morning. So now we're back with the cops, and the cops are like, so you're saying, you are saying straight up that you woke up at 10 a.m., and he's like, yep, I know. It. They're like, you can't make me believe that that's not true. The cop pulls out a picture of him from the hotel elevator, timestamped at 8.14 in the morning, and he's with the big fucking suitcase, and the guy, Jesse's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, oh, I'm still sure it was 10 o'clock. I'm still sure of it. No, I'm I'm still sure that it was yeah, 10 a.m. Like, no, no. It was 10 o'clock. Yeah. It was 10. And I'm like, this is, and this happens more often than you think where people are just like presented with facts and they're like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. I just I disagree. That's really it, not what happened. But you're like, yeah, yeah. the cops are like, I- I'm sorry. It's exactly what happened. We have five, we have like your building, your elevator, the street, walking to the department store, 10 cameras in the department store. Like, guy, guy I know. no, 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 we, we got you. 10 cameras in the department store that you knew were there. It's like, it's like that episode where we did with the, where the Craigslist killer was using that lady's credit card in a Walmart. I'm like, you know, you're on camera, you know, you're on right. camera, but this is where there's this big disconnect between Jesse, the killer and the cop who's interrogating him. Cause the cop is really focused on the time difference. The cop is saying, you are saying that you woke up at 10 AM, but we have you on CCTV at 8.01. And Jesse gets focused on the suitcase because he's thinking, oh my God, he's gonna, he's trying to nail me for the suit. So Jesse starts to say to him like, oh, 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 by the way, I still have that suitcase. Like if you're thinking I did anything with that suitcase, I still have the suitcase. And the cop is like, no, I want to know why you're saying it was 10 a.m. when I can tell you it was 8.01. And so like Jesse is introducing the suitcase as something nefarious and probably the cop would have gotten there eventually. But Jesse is like now inserting the suitcase into the story because he's trying to say, I can prove to you that I didn't do anything bad with that suitcase because I still have it in my apartment. Right, but he's not only introducing it, he's repeating Repeating it over yes. and over and over. He would like the cops like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But w- tell me why you're so strong. You so strongly believe it was 10 a.m. Jesse will interrupt the cop to be like, do you mean the suitcase that I still have in my room? Because I have it. I'm being super honest about it. Do you want to know anything about it? Like he's repeating it to a way. I'm like, dude, what are you like? We got to turn him off and turn him back on again. Like he's I on know. like a repeat. Like he's like blow skipping. into him like, 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 like what, Nintendo you, from the 90s. Yeah. What are you doing? You, but then it, it cuts to the profiler who's like, we pay attention to when someone introduces information they don't necessarily have to, we definitely pay attention if they start to repeat it. This is important to Jesse Kempson. We all know there's going to be two suitcases, right? We all know that there's a fucking decoy suitcase. We all know that that's going to be what's going to happen here. And then like the cops like, you gotta make stop making the suitcase happen, guy. And then he's like, oh, okay, I should probably talk to a lawyer. But the thing about the suitcase is, wait, did he plan this? Like, I just can't decide if I think that he went out to meet a woman to kill her or if it all happened in the heat of the moment. Because if he knew enough that he's like, like the morning he wakes up and goes to the elevator at 801, he's like, I've got this dead 
dead woman that I killed. I've got to get rid of her body. I've got a suitcase here. If I go out and get another suitcase, I can use one as a decoy suit. But then he gets caught with a de- Why would he have gone out to buy this suitcase if he already had one? He's creating a problem for himself that he doesn't need to if he already has the large suitcase. So I just Mm -hmm. can't figure out why he went out to get the suitcase. Yeah, I don't think he's anything he's doing is making a whole lot of sense to begin with. I wouldn't beat yourself up about it too much. Okay, I'll let it go. Because the the only reason I'm thinking about it is because I'm trying to decide if this was premeditated or if it just happened in the heat of the moment and he panicked, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, this guy asks for a lawyer. The smartest yeah. thing he's done. Not like to, not like I'm giving him any credit. I'm just saying. Down the road back again. Girl, Simply Safe is back. Look, there's no better time of year to not get broken into twice while you're home and asleep, like happened to me before we had Simply Safe. Yeah, you don't have to wait for a New Year's resolution. Just do it now. No. Why not? Fam, you know this. Simply Safe is comprehensive protection for the whole home with advanced sensors that not only detect break-ins, but fires, floods, and other threats in your home. I'm waiting for them to get to do locusts. Like, oh, yeah. Like in the Bible. That'll be the day. <laughs> any any day now, honestly. You know, and locusts. And locusts. And, and with new 24-7 live guard protection, monitoring agents can actually see, speak to, and confront <laughs> the intruders in your home. Move out of here, locusts. Get out of here, you. Hey, locusts. hey, that's not your house. Get out of here. And this is available only from Simply Safe to actually stop crime in real time. Also, the 24-7 monitoring is highly affordable, costing less than a buck a day, fam. That's half the price of traditional home security. Plus, you get that lady to yell at the guy. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? always a lady, right? Always. It's gotta be. <laughs> Simply Safe prioritizes your privacy. So that's why their indoor security cameras are the only ones on the market with physical privacy shutters to ensure your privacy 24-7. Yeah, you don't need anyone creeping on you. No, plus you get that lady to yell at them. Of I'm just course. keep saying it. Again. Get out of here. See, I have a lady who yells at me and I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Fam, keep your home and family safer than ever in the new year. As a listener, you can save 20% on your new system with a fast protect plan by visiting simplysafe.com slash TCO. Customize your system in just minutes at simplysafe.com slash TCO. There's no safe like Simply Safe. That's right. And there's nothing as hilarious as that lady yelling at the burglar in your house. Right. And there's also no place like home. Do you have any more? <laughs> there's no place like home because there's no safe like Simply Safe. See? There we go. Got it. Nailed it. Now we cut to six days after Grace's disappearance. Her dad arrives in New Zealand. His name is David. And it's just so sad. He's pleading for information, like, to the news about his daughter. And, like, we are learning that the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because apparently there's, like, new information in the case, like, every single day. Yeah. And so back to Jesse's lies. Remember how he said they had, like, this very polite goodbye, just, like, a little, like, a hug and one little peck, maybe. Then they went in different directions and never saw each other again. Yeah. Obviously, that's a lie. And the footage, at this point, it's like, yes, we know it's a lie, but what does the footage really say? It's not Uh like, is it a lie? It's, no, it is, but what's the actual truth, right? Yeah. So they are on camera. Grace and Jesse are on camera walking down the same road that he said that they said goodbye on. They're actually walking down that road holding hands. They're definitely like getting a little canoodly, you know? Yeah. So here's what really happened based on the actual CCTV footage that we do see. If this isn't just like we see it all. The CCTV showed that they'd stayed together after Sky City. They hadn't parted. They'd gone to a Mexican cafe and gone in there for a short time. Then gone further down the road behind the City Life Hotel where there's a bar called the Blue Stone Room. And they've gone in there. And there's quite significant CCTV in there of them. They're flirting. They're kissing. Like, they're really hitting it off. And that 
really like extra breaks my heart because Grace was happy. She felt safe. She was living her life. She was having a good time. But then she gets up to go to the bathroom and we see this on the footage. As soon as she is out of sight, he goes through her purse. Like immediately. Like, I know. Like, he couldn't wait for her to go to the bathroom so That's that he could I'm just saying. start looking through her shit. We know he's in debt. I feel like there's a financial motivation here. Like he's trying to steal money from her. It's so mm-hmm. fucking sad. Like Grace just seems like so sweet and like she's on this like gap year to find herself and she meets this cute guy and they're having a nice time and all the while all he wanted to do was like rob her and kill her yeah like nothing was sincere on his end like none of it so then at 9 40 they enter the hotel together this is a little confusing because he actually lives at the hotel he's got like a he's got an apartment there they get into the elevator at 9 41 we see them in the elevator and this is the last time anyone sees grace alive yeah and so this is like a, they call it the city life complex where it's one of those it's like a hotel but you can also have like long-term living there so it has like apartments and so that was confusing to me at first yeah. until I put it all together so if you're hearing like apartments hotels it's all the same thing. it's all the same thing so they give us like a timeline recap really quickly so 9 41 p.m saturday night they're in the elevator together 801 a.m the next morning he's in the elevator alone leaving to go buy the suitcase at another stage we had him going to a dry cleaners taking a bag and stuff to get dry cleaned so he's obviously cleaning up Then at 8.35, we hadn't seen this before. This is new. We see CCTV footage of him out buying cleaning products. We see it clear as day. And then at 9.58 a.m., he's taking a bag of clothes to the dry cleaner. And this is where Officer Scott says he's obviously cleaning up. Like, how does anyone think they're going to get away with anything? Every single minute of this guy's day is captured on the camera. Every minute. And it's one of, like, I just can't believe that every establishment has operating cameras with good quality. I know. Like you can edit it together and it can look like one smooth video. And part of what, like knowing that you see everything on video, there's no video footage of Grace leaving the hotel. So she goes into the hotel and she never comes out. And so finally, I guess they say they put this guy up, Jesse, in like some hostel while they scour his apartment. And Officer Scott is like, at first there was nothing to see, but then they bring in the luminol and like the place lights up like the 4th of July. Like there's blood fucking everywhere. And this is all they need. I mean, this and the CCTV footage and the lies and everything. So this this is what they need to immediately charge him for the murder of Grace Mullane. Yeah. So now we see his interrogation after he's been arrested. (sighs) And like, this is where we just get more information. So he tells us Grace asked him to add her on Facebook, then asked him where they were going to go. Well, he just starts victim blaming her. He just starts blaming her. Like, I just wanted to say that, like, I think that she had her add him on Facebook and get information about where they were going to be so she could tell people maybe. Like, it seems like a smart thing to do on a first date. Yeah, but he's also saying like, oh, let me tell you about this Grace. Like, she added me on Facebook that she asked me where we were going on our date and then she asked me questions about myself and my family like what a monster like Jesse this is not working the way you want it to like this is not this is not happening and it's like not what happened he says they'd gone to his room where they had sex on course she started talking to me about uh, 50 shades of grey and this is of course his account there's no corroboration of this Um, and then she asked me if we could get into uh, bondage. And then she asked him if they could get into bondage. And then he says she asked me to hold her arms tighter and she asked me to hold her throat. And then, like, his story is insane. He says they have sex. He strangles her because she 
asked him to. First of all, like what he's doing, this is all bullshit. And people have said many times, we've covered this a little bit in the Army Hammer thing, like the Fifty Shades, the book and the movie, like the BDSM community does not abide by it. Like they, they, they think that it like completely is a mischaracterization of what this is. But what this guy is doing, he's describing the assault. It's disgusting. And, and the murder. And, and trying to say like that it's her fault and that she was just into this rough sex. Like it's such yes. bullshit. But, and, and it's so like, as you're listening to it, you're like, oh my God, I hate you so much. And I then know. it gets worse and and just the maybe the most blatant lie we've I heard know. to date. He says he goes to take a shower and falls asleep in the shower and then comes back to the bedroom in the morning and that's when he finds her dead. And there's blood pouring out of her nose. But wait, he falls asleep in the shower so like you were just like asleep under running water for six, seven, eight hours? I was thinking, I was like, look, we've heard a lot of bullshit in our time doing this podcast. We've done 10,000 episodes. We've met a lot of shitty people. Yeah. But this is definitely among one of the most egregious lies I think we have ever heard. I just fell asleep in the shower and woke up and there was blood pouring out of her face. I know. And like, I do take solace in the fact that nobody fucking believes a word this guy is saying. Yeah. And they're all like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Because they have, they know they have the footage. And I think it's, it's another situation of they just keep asking him questions to just like dig himself deeper. Yeah. It's, it's great for their case. It was interesting to me because the watcher guy says the thing about it is when he's recounting them having sex, he's showing signs of anger. He says the way his lips are curling and the way he's bawling his fist, it says it's almost like he's reliving the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like that really was one of the things I was like, all right, guy, I'm listening to you on this because you have to be so rageful to kill this like beautiful, sweet, kind young woman in the way that he obviously did. Yeah, to get to that point to be so violent and hateful towards, I mean, anyone, but also someone you you just met. Yeah. Feels like, oh, you you just, this is another, oh, another mediocre person who just like hates women. Okay, got it. Got it. Got and it, the got listener it. says like, he strangled her. You can't, like he's trying to describe, and this is a lie. Obviously this is not what happened, but he's like, oh, she wanted me to like do bondage with her and he she wanted me to like squeeze her neck a little bit. The listener is saying what he's wanting the police officer to believe is that um, this was rough sex gone wrong. You can't strangle someone without holding on to their neck for a very long time. We're talking minutes. That's not the same as rough sex. Something very, very different happened. You cannot strangle somebody to death without choking them for several minutes at a time. Yeah. Like, that is not what rough sex is. Like, at one point, the w- one of the other experts says, like, women don't die from rough sex. They die from dangerous men who want to kill them. Now, uh, that is comes at the end of a rant that that's a great thing that she said. But yeah. what what preceded that, I had a major issue with because she starts saying about how the sexual aspect of this is irrelevant to her. I don't care if they had sex or not. Absolutely, we're not doing that. He raped her and that's yeah. important. And yes, he's a liar, but stop talking about him. She was assaulted and she was murdered and every single thing that happened to her matters. So yeah. I don't want to flippantly hear, I don't care if they had sex or not. I do. It's yeah. part of her story and it's part of Grace's experience and we can't discount any of it. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm glad she ended with a, with a great point. But as yeah. I'm listening to her, I couldn't type fast enough. I was like, "What the fuck? What are you saying?" Yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. yeah. And the cops ask him, like, "Okay, so l- let's say for the sake of argument, we believe that you fell asleep in the shower for five hours. Like, all right, well, let, Water we're, just we're, we're just gonna ignore that. We're, we're just gonna skate right by it. Yeah. But they're yeah. like, okay, so you, you wake up to this horrible scene, and you see Grace, and she has blood coming out of her nose. So was your first instinct to call for help in any way? Like, what was that next step? Like, who did you call to help you in this situation? Did you consider seeking help from St. John's? I dialed 111, um, but I didn't hit the button um, because I, I was scared how bad it looked. I just looked around and I thought, oh my God, this looks so bad for me because there's a, mm-hmm. a dead woman in my house and I was the last one to be, yes, because you fucking killed her. Right. So what is happening here is that the killer admits that Grace Mullane died in his apartment, but nothing is his fault and this is all just happening to him. Yes. Yes, exactly. And this is when the cops are just like, all right, cut the shit. Like they just, now they just full stop are asking him if you murdered her. Because I, like we, we were getting to this point where it's like, now, now this is getting tedious for, for the viewer because we just want justice for Grace. And now it's getting ridiculous that they're just letting him lie. So yeah. they ask him, like, did you murder? Like, come on, dude, like level with us. And he just keeps saying no. But he's saying it in like this whisper. Like he's not yep. flipping a table. And the violence or the, like the, 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 the clenched fists that he had when he was describing what happened with Grace, none of that is here when he's denying that he murdered her. He's just right. like meekly whispering it. It's pretty- proof that it's not what happened but just because of the way that he's behaving like mm-hmm. like if you are being falsely accused of a murder you are fighting for your life you are fighting for your fucking life and this guy is not fighting for his life and also what happened so context before is important but let's talk about what happened uh, after because I it mean, gets worse like it always does right travel Girl, Next Evo Naturals is back. This is the CBD product that helps me go to sleep. It's the one that I've been using for the sleep. Yeah. So I want to say, fam, CBD only works if it gets into your body. And only Next Evo has proven their all-natural gummies and capsules absorb four times better than most oil-based products. Yeah, so our bodies don't absorb CBD oil all Uh that well. So they have this proprietary water-soluble form of CBD. All I can tell you is that it really freaking works. Yeah, if you're using those oil-based CBD products, you could be absorbing as low as six percent of what's on the label, which is a real bait and switch as far as I'm That's concerned. That's a real bait and switch. And fam, now you can try their brand new extra strength daily wellness CBD gummies that are two times stronger than regular strength. So you can pair that with the gummies that you take for the bedtime. Yeah. That way you're just, you got the good CBD in you all day long. And because of that whole water thing. Yeah. I'm just calling it the water, <laughs> the water thing, thing. They work super fast with absorption starting in just 10 minutes. Come and you don't want to wait to feel better. No. So fam, don't waste your time with oil-based CBD that might not work. Upgrade to better natural solutions from Next Evo like the ones I use. Yeah. Go to nextevo.com and use code TCO for 20 percent off any order or up to 60% off as a new subscriber. That's 25% off or up to 60% off as a new subscriber at nextevo.com. Code TCO. I bet you're out there right now wanting to have tried this next Evo because you've been hearing me talk about it for so mm-hmm. long. Make make today the day. Make today. You know what? No day but today. No, no day but, but today. today. That's a rent reference, you guys. We're still still gay over We're here. So, still mean, gay over come here. On. <laughs> We're never stopping. No. <laughs> We have all of this guy's phone information. So right after this piece of shit murdered Grace Mullane, he immediately, the first thing he did... He then went on the internet and started looking for pornography websites. Um, He then searched um, 
basically how do you dispose of a body. I think one of his searches was what is the hottest fire? Does New Zealand have um, flesh-eating birds? He Googles, where can I find flesh-eating birds? You're going to tell me that this was a mistake and you fell asleep in the shower? Exactly. I mean, oh, God, it's, oh, my God. And then, and then, on top of all of that, Officer Scott tells us, we do know that he took pictures of Grace when she was naked and most likely dead. And then he went online and arranged another Tinder date with Grace dead in his room. Like, Grace's body is in his room and he's online trying to arrange another date for that same day. So my first thought, of course, is like, can we speak to her? Is she okay? Like, were there other, like, now that we're, actually, now that we're on his Tinder app, can we look at his previous dates and maybe I connect know. them to other crimes that happened in this area? Like, I come know. on. And we're going to learn that there, there, like, there's a whole thing in the end with the trial where he has to be anonymous because there are other cases they're investigating about him at the same time. But yeah. right now, he agrees to take the authorities to Grace's body. Right. And her body he buried in the suitcase in a mountain range 16 miles outside of Auckland. And a news reporter tells us that the body was likely driven there on December 3rd, which is two days after she was last seen in Auckland and the day after her fucking 22nd birthday. Oh, this piece of shit. What a waste of life. I you know. know what I mean? Like you... And then the prime minister, you know, Jacinda, we all loved Jacinda. Remember when, like, New Zealand was the only place in the world that had zero COVID cases because of Jacinda? <laughs> yes. She holds a press conference and, like, speaks directly to Grace's family. And it's the kind of thing that you're just like, oh, my God. She says, your daughter should have been safe here, and she wasn't. And we are here to do anything you need us to do. Yeah. And there are vigils held across New Zealand and Grace's funeral was held in Essex and like hundreds and hundreds of mourners are attending. Yeah. Then we jump to November 2019, 11 months after Grace's death and her parents, David and Jillian, travel from Essex to New Zealand for the trial. Yeah. And then like the killer is still denying that he murdered her, claiming that Grace died by accident. We meet Ali Mao. She's an investigative journalist. Yeah. And she says that she saw the killer in the court every day. And she said this perfectly. She goes, there was one moment where we locked eyes for about 15 seconds. He was the first to look away. Little hair flip moment <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, she's amazing. I loved it. I loved it so much. But she's like, he's so fucking smug. Like, he's just sitting there exactly. like as we're about to hear the truth. So then we get, like, as part of the trial, we learn what he did after he murdered Grace because it's all revealed by the CCTV footage. We'd seen some of this. So he goes and buys the cleaning products in that new decoy suitcase. Then at 1025, he takes a taxi to get a rental car. Then he goes back to his apartment where Grace's body, like, still is. Then, with Grace's body, like, still in his apartment. At 3.57 p.m., he went to a local bar for a date with another woman who later described him as calm but intense. Calm but intense. Can you imagine being no. that woman, knowing that, like, this fucking maniac that you were just, that you were on a date with that one time had a, the body of a woman in his apartment while he's having a drink with you at the bar? I mean, if if they didn't have, I know that there's a lot of, like, you know, big brother and police state and why people do not want CCTV cameras all over their cities. I totally yeah. understand it. But what I'm hearing right now is that if not for those CCTV cameras, Grace Mullane was his first victim. 100%. Because he is trying, like, he is very organized. Like, for, for someone who really massively failed the interrogation and the questioning, yeah, like, had yeah, no yeah. answer yeah. for anything, he did plan this. Like, this was something he thought about. He was, even though he had to Google shit, but there was something, it feels a little 
maybe meticulous isn't the right word, but it uh-huh. seemed kind of like he was doing it all with purpose. This was not like a crime yeah. of passion necessarily where he knew I'm going to meet her here. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And so the fact that he's meeting with the second woman is absolutely terrifying. Because Terrifying. At this point, he's like, well, I've gotten away with one. Like, let's see, well, let's and see how also, far this like, can go. What if Grace hadn't been available the night before? She would have been the, maybe maybe she would right. have been the victim. You know what I mean? Like, and th- these are the things this poor woman is going to have to live with like, for the rest of her life. But so then back to the timeline, at 8, 11 p.m., he rents an industrial cleaner and goes back to his apartment and cleans it for 30 minutes. These industrial cleaners are like the kinds of things that like, they're those enormous fucking machines. <laughs> yeah, very loud, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because then by 9.30 p.m. Kempson is pictured manhandling suitcases into the lift. You see him coming down the lift with the luggage trolley and you see the bags. And it's quite chilling because you know what's in the big suitcase. It's Grace. It's so sad because you know Grace's body. It's like two suitcases and you know her body is in there. And it's like, he's like, he's like fumbling, fumbling trying to get it into the elevator. It's just, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's unhuman. It is. So then the next morning, December 3rd at 6.50 a.m., we see him 16 miles north of Auckland. He pulls into a hardware store and buys the shovel. He buys the shovel that he's going to use to bury her. And then he goes into the woods. He buries Grace's body and he throws uh, some of her belongings into a trash can, like her clothes, her phone, her wallet. And to this day, the cops weren't able to recover those. I guess like the trash picked it up and then it goes to wherever it goes. But those those items are just gone forever. He takes the rental car to the car wash. He cleans it inside and out. He dumps the shovel. And then they sort of throw this this footage at us where this we is see the him. Wildest footage of the whole thing. We see him trying to run from the police when he spots them at his apartment. So December 5th is the day that co- it's four days after he murdered Grace and the cops come to his apartment looking for him. We see him outside seeing the cops in the lobby and he turns and runs and then we cut to the inside of the lobby and we see the cops seeing him run and then they turn and run after him. Like he's such like a, a fucking idiot. And some staff member like or someone who works at the building just at, just jumps on this and go, it's just like, go, you know, go, go, like, go. <laughs> like this, there's some staff members like not on my watch and just yeah. sort of like stops him from, from running away and the cops grab him and they haul him in. It's just so wild. And so, like, after a three-week trial, he's found guilty. But this is where we learn that during the investigation and the trial, his name and identity have been kept anonymous because he was also facing charges of sexual attacks on two other women. Why does that mean they have to keep him anonymous? That, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I I was wondering that, too, thinking that maybe they would need them for another case or something. But... Uh He's found guilty of the murder of Grace Mullane and the sexual assaults of two other women. So it feels yeah. like all of these cases were were put together, which is something it's, that we don't really do here. But Yeah. And it's just wild that he it just was a weird like side note that his identity had to be kept anonymous during during the whole thing. Yeah, well, we know who he is now. Well, the profiler does make a good point here because she says because of the anonymity that Kempson had during the trial, we don't remember his face and his image. We don't remember his name. We remember Grace Mullane and we remember her image. We remember Grace's name instead, which is like, which is how it should be. Yeah. And he's serving life imprisonment and every, it ends with like everyone calling him a monster, which is absolutely right. And then the last thing we learn is that 
There's an organization called Love Grace, and it's all about empowering victims of domestic abuse in honor of Grace Mullane. And it's lovegrace.co.uk. I donated today. They make it super easy. Oh my God. I'm going to go donate as soon as we get off here. Yeah, it's an Amazon wish list. So, I mean, you can donate like handbags and all this other stuff, but I, I just wanted to do what I could do. So it's an Amazon wish list. If you're in the States, they send it. It's like amazon.uk. You know, you'll probably have to deal with the shipping. Who gives a shit? But they yeah. need like stuff. And so just, it's really easy. It's all one word. It's lovegrace.co.uk. And it's like the donate button is right there. It'll take two minutes. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh... Oh, girl, we did it. Wait, what's it called? It's called... It's called Faking It, Murder Far From Home. And I guess Faking It is like a series, but I only found this first one. So maybe we'll oh. do more. Oh, all right. Amazing. Well, this was about yeah. the murder of Grace Mullane. Yep. Fam, hey, just a reminder, if you want more Jillian and me, you can always join us over there in the Patreon, where there's over 450 full ad-free bonus apps to download and binge the second you join. Yeah, just RIP your phone, I guess. You know, just make <laughs> sure you have all the storage. Get on the cloud or whatever you have to do. We have so much fun stuff coming up. Like, we're adding... Like, I'm just sort of taking over party planning for the Patreon. So starting in January, we've got three things planned already. We're doing two instances of drag bingo. I met with the queen today. She does this. Like, like it's her passion that she also performs during it. She's, like, amazing. It's an hour-long thing. I also booked a mixologist from here in the city. We're going to do a cocktail class in my kitchen because I used to be a bartender. And she's, like, this amazing bartender. And we're going to do this going forward. I want to add, like, all of this new fun, like, let's get together. Let's get the community together and just like hang out and do these fun things. Great. So join up, fam. It's patreon.com slash obsessed, or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Uh, what are we doing next, girl? So we are doing, it's the murder of Abraham Shakespeare. It's called the Jackpot Murder, but it's Web of Death. That show Web of Death that we did, the Bob Ross yes. episode. Yeah, yeah. This is actually the first episode of the series. So it's the oh, murder wow. of Abraham Shakespeare. He won the lottery. Oh my, and his last name is really Shakespeare? His name is Abraham Shakespeare, which is one of the coolest names I've ever heard in my entire life. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, fam, stay tuned for the trailer for that. And we love you. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging out. And, you know, same time, same place. We'll see you next week. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. It was at this convenience store that Abraham Shakespeare bought the lotto ticket that changed his life. $30 million. Then disappeared. Have you seen this millionaire? We were convinced that there was foul play involved. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's about greed. 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 So greedy. The problems came when the money came. I really would like my old life back. But got people asking for money. Everything just started to feel weird. This had all the ingredients of a whodunit mystery. Here is Abraham Shakespeare. It was a rags to riches to murder. Remember when you used to break your chair every recording <laughs> yeah. and fall off your chair? <laughs> the good old days. Good, what happened? Did you get a new chair? No, it's, it still happens sometimes. It's just when it happens, <laughs> I don't tell you. <laughs> Tom, I discovered a song from 2010 that I can't stop listening to. It's called um, Rock Bottom, and it is so fucking good that yesterday on the flight home from Toronto, I put it on Spotify on a loop, and I listened to it for an hour straight. Tommy, watch the video. I've done nothing but listen to this song for like two straight days. 
I'm sorry. I'm holding up this entire show. I'll keep telling you, Tommy. I. <laughs> so the thing is, it's this girl. I see Tom nodding. Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> It's this girl who, um, I can't remember her name, but the guy who sings the song with her is the Cakes by the Ocean guy. And, you know, that in the ocean. Tommy, do you know this rock bottom song? God damn it. Put this on pause and go listen to it right now. In fact, I say watch the video. God damn it. Okay. It's so good. I'm very passionate about I, this. It's just, I love it. Okay, that's an after party. I didn't understand a thing you just said. And that's never my role here. I know. Okay, everyone, I found it. All I'm right. on the right thing now. 